So over the past three or so weeks, we've been exploring this theme <coughs> of living well. And what I suggested last week was... Right? 
sure so much of what we we invited into through our life of faith is a gift, right? God comes to us; He does everything, really. But we need to respond. It's critical that that we we do something to respond to the gift. Catholic and Siena says this. I've, she had a well, God spoke to her a lot. Didn't she? she had him on loudspeaker or something. Um, this is one of the things that God said to her. I created you without you, but I cannot save you without you. There's a response that's required if we want to live well. Now, 500 years ago to this year, apparently, uh, this year is the 500 year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, right? And we know this this was one of the key questions that they were grappling with, right? This, you know, how does this um, gift that God gives us, how does that, how do we hold that intention with this response? And, and Martin Luther and, and some of those, you know, well, Martin Luther initially, he felt that the Catholics were too far kind of on this side. It's all about what you do. You know, you need to earn your way to God's gifts. Thankfully, 500 years later, we've, we've, received, we've sort of come to a kind of agreement, right? That yes, our faith and this heavenly life that, that, that Jesus promises us and invites us into is a gift. There's nothing we can possibly do to, to deserve it, right? And I'm sure we'll only realise that when we fully get to the fullness of heaven. We're like, oh my gosh, it's so good. doesn't matter how perfect I thought I could be. No way I could, I could, I could have deserved this. But at the same time, at the same time, this gift should impact us in such a way that it changes everything about our life. You know, we can't, in a sense, we can't receive the gift without the gift changing us. So, so there is that response that's required, and it's a response that comes as a result of receiving the gift. God can lead us out of the lobby, right? He can lead us out of that, that faith, that, that faith mentality where, you know, this is just a place of transition. Yeah, God might give me a few little blessings here and there, but you know, not really. He can lead us out of there and he can take us into a much fuller, richer experience of faith. And he'll do that. It's all his gift. But we need to do something so that we can stay in that new place. You know, if, if our life doesn't change, if we don't, if we don't adapt to that new place that God takes us into and start living according to that place with those values and that, that new way of thinking, then what happens is we just slide back into the lobby. Yeah? And I'm sure we've all had that experience at times. I mean, God takes us into a whole new place and then suddenly we think, oh, I'm back here again. What happened? Where did my faith go? You know, why? Why? What? What's happening? The church gives us an important word that captures something of this response that we need to make, and the response is virtue. I'm sure we've all heard the word virtue. And virtue is that, thanks for your honor. Virtue is really uh, capturing that, that combination of God's gift and our response. That's what virtue is that combination which enables us to, to then make choices that resonate with this life that God is inviting us into. 
the life where we can live well. Yeah? And there are many virtues. There are so many virtues that, that we're, we're invited to live out in our life. But over the next three weeks, we want to talk about, I want to talk about the three super virtues. Right? These are the three big ones. Right? All the other virtues point to these ones. Our whole Christian life uh, really is, should be founded upon these virtues, should be flavoured by them. You know, I was reminded of um, a question I've been asked before. You know, if you were stranded on the desert island and you only had three ingredients to cook with, what would those ingredients be? Now, for me, I knew it straight away. Olive oil, garlic, and salt. Right? With those three, you can make anything taste good, right? Well, at least if you're coming. Uh, and the same is true for us. And the same is true in the life of faith. That, that there are three super virtues. And they have faith, hope, and love. Oh. With these three, with these three, we can make our life taste good. You know, it brings flavour to our life regardless of what we're experiencing. Faith, hope, and love. The church calls these the theological virtues. Why, why do we call it theological virtues? Because these are the virtues. If we live these three qualities out, they point, they not only point us to God, but they take us to God. They 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 bridge that gap between heaven and earth. Faith, hope, and love. Let's fast forward to the gospel. Today we hear from one of the heroes, or we hear about one of the heroes in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and, and once again this hero is a nobody. Like so often in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, it seems like most of the heroes, Moses and David, and, you know, many of the prophets, many of the people in the New Testament, most of the women, Mary herself, were really nobodies. <coughs> nobodies that God did extraordinary things in with. Not because of what they had, obviously, they were nobodies or where they came from, but why? Because of their faith. <coughs> this woman today is, once again, a, a witness to us of the kind of faith that takes us out of the lobby, yeah, and into the ballroom. She's ballroom faith, right? We want to move from lobby faith to ballroom faith. Sorry for those who won't hear like screaming people. What are you talking about? <laughs> So what, is, what does this woman teach us about faith? It's important to remember, I'm sorry if this is stating the obvious, but every story, every teaching in the Bible is God trying to communicate something to us, right? So what's he trying to communicate to us through this, this, this woman, through this nobody? What might he be teaching us about faith especially? Well, I want to suggest the first thing that God's teaching us about faith is that anybody, anybody can be a person of faith. This woman had nothing going for her. Not only was she a woman, which unfortunately in those days meant that she was kind of disregarded, you know, not particularly important, but she was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile. She, she was a, a person who, who didn't share the faith. She wasn't one of God's people. 
And therefore, she, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't expecting to receive anything good from God. But yet, she received this extraordinary gift from Jesus. Why? Because of her faith. You can have faith, anybody can have faith. It doesn't require anything. There are no prerequisites. Anybody can have faith. The second thing that this story teaches us about faith is that fundamentally it's a choice. And it's a choice based on what we see or who we see. You know what's ironic about the story is that it was the woman who apparently had no faith, who wasn't one of God's people, that saw something important in Jesus. She recognised there was something about this man and because of that she went up with this great faith, this, this persistent faith. But she did that because she saw something in Jesus and that's what we've been talking about over these past two or three weeks. That as we come to recognise, open our eyes to God in our midst, it gives us a confidence to come to God with a greater faith, with a greater openness. So faith is a choice that we make. Sometimes we don't feel like making a choice. But we make it because we've just been given enough of a gift to realise that God is in our midst. He is with us. The third thing we learn about faith is that it requires perseverance. Three times Jesus knocked her back today. Three times in the gospel. Now we're not exactly sure what he knocked her back. Maybe, maybe he was teaching us something about, about endurance. You know, James says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Maybe that was something that Jesus was opening this woman and the people that were observing and us to today. That sometimes when we don't get what we we're waiting for or what we keep pleading to God for, maybe he's giving us an opportunity to grow in endurance. To, 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 to give us a deeper resolve in our faith. I think the gift of faith helps us to recognise that even though I don't understand why this thing is happening or why God is not giving me this particular thing, faith enables us, it gives us enough of a reason to say, God, I don't get this. I don't get why this difficult situation is enduring, but I have enough faith, enough belief that there is a reason for it. And hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll realise that reason on this side of that <laughs> But maybe not. And we've got to be prepared for that, huh? As people of faith. The fourth, fourth thing that this story teaches us about faith is that it requires vulnerability. And we, we hear that come out so beautifully today in the Gospel. Lord, she said, help me. And one of the things with faith is that... Um, when we exercise faith, basically what we're doing is we're letting go of control. We let go of this kind of illusion that, that we we have it all together, you know? And and that puts us inevitably into a into a place of vulnerability. 
this woman, you can imagine, was surrounded by, by others watching this scene. And here she was begging as an outsider, as someone who was you know, not regarded in, in any way. But there she was, vulnerable, putting her knee before Jesus, open to rejection, admitting her weakness and her, and her, and her failure to be able to cure her daughter help her daughter. Faith requires <coughs> vulnerability. It requires us to, to come to God as we are in all our weakness. I think one of the reasons why we can often find ourselves back in the lobby is because we forget that faith is like a muscle. Right? If we don't work out our muscle, what happens to it? It kind of gets a bit flabby, doesn't it? <laughs> it gets a bit kind of soft and a bit, a bit small. It's important for us to recognise that our faith needs to be developed. I want to suggest one way that, uh, or I guess a principle that may help us in our day-to-day lives to, to develop this faith. Let's go to the, the magnifying glass. Um, Lucky, keep going. Yeah, there we go. This is the principle of the magnifying glass. What happens when you look through something in a magnifying glass? It's bigger, right? It expands. So the principle is that what you focus on expands. We know this, right? When we focus on someone's negative trait, what happens? It's just like, that's all we see. It's like, it's a monster. It started, it started with them kind of, you know, parking in our car spot and then in the end of the devil or something. <laughs> what we focus on expands. We know that's true, don't we? I'd like to suggest that there are two broad categories that we focus on every day, that we have the opportunity to focus on every day. The first broad category is uh, the focus or that orientation towards what's not happening in our life. You know, what's going wrong? What are the problems? What are the challenges? What is God not doing? That's one broad category, and I'd like to suggest that we often can kind of default into that category. But the person of faith looks through a different category. And that category is, well, what has God been doing in my life? What is God doing now in my life? And, and what has God promised for me in my life? You know, what does what is, what is God's word say to me about who I am, who he is? and what my future is like. I want to suggest that's an everyday way that we can, we can gradually develop this gift that God gives us of faith. That's our response, really. It's just in the day-to-day life to try more and more to adjust or to divert our gaze and our focus from all the stuff that's not happening to what God is doing. And to give him thanks to God for what he's doing. That builds our muscle of faith. I want to finish by just reflecting on, on, on children for a moment. Because Jesus a number of times mentions children as the, the witness for us what it looks like to live well, to, to, to be in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now why is it that he, he keeps pointing to children, well, I want to suggest that, that one reason is because children seem to be able to live a, a 
to have faith in the midst of mystery. In, in, in the midst of, of circumstances that make no sense to them, they seem to be able to have, they don't seem to have too much trouble having faith in the midst of that. Recently, my, my nieces and nephews, um, you know, they, they've, got, they've got chicken, we've got all kinds of animals, but they've got chickens and, and they've got new neighbours come and move in. And the dog, the new neighbour's dog somehow got under the fence and in front of their eyes ate their chicken. <laughs> no, poor things. It was traumatic for them. They loved Mary. You know, Mary's my mother. And, uh, but of course, you know, they were really sure that Mary's going to heaven, right? Mary's a God, with some branches in God, right? Uh, now, they did not have much trouble believing that. I'm sure we've had that experience with children in our own lives, right? I think that's maybe something what, what God's getting at. You know, that, that what gives us enough faith to, to, to kind of get us over the line, to say, yeah, I understand this, but I'm willing, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to make that choice, I'm going to say, yes, I believe, I'm going to stand in it again tomorrow, I might doubt it, I'm going to stand in it again tomorrow. Uh, And that's really all, all we can do, really. And I think that's all that God really invites us into. It's just every day is to make that choice as best we can. To say, yes, I'm going to take this gift you've, you've given me, God, and I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to say yes to it, even though I don't get the whole picture, even though I don't have the whole answer. So what in your life now are you trying to work out? What are you trying to understand in your own life at the moment. Maybe that can be the very issue that can take you to God and, 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 and enable you to make that choice of faith again. It's, it's the things I think that disturb us the most that can actually be the vehicles that enable us to develop in faith the most. Because it requires accountability, it requires that persistence, it requires that boldness to say, God, I don't totally get it, but I'm just choosing to believe you now. 